All right, welcome back to the Hello Sport Podcast. Time for unqualified opinion and unwavering bias. Here, ahead of another fucking ripper interview, dude. Another one. We're racking another them one. up. This is our first international. Yeah. Not sexually speaking, just first international in a podcast sense. Well, that's right. Uh, also happens to be really hot. He's guest. super hot. Like a fucking hot guest. Dude, hot. Like hot, hot. And this is no disrespect to anyone we've had on beforehand. I'm sure we've had some beautiful people. Brayton Astor comes to mind. Well, we've had beautiful people, Tom, but this, is this guy's hot and he's international. And he sounds like he's from Snatch. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's Goza. no disrespect, but he's like got that cool accent. That well, he's charismatic. Accent. Yeah, exactly. And I can listen to his accent all day, Tom. He's, he's the head of Matchroom uh, Sports, but it's Matchroom Boxing we're here to talk about. Well, that's where he does his best work. First foray into the Australian Biff market. That's right. Hell of a um, market. And it's a super lightweight fight. Liam Paro and Brock Jarvis, both undefeated. One's 22-0, and 0, one's 20-0. and 0. Fucking 13 knockouts, 18 knockouts. Serious throbbing dicks yeah. that we're talking about. Big, big dicks, Tom. Yeah. Huge dicks. Big throbbing dicks. They fight each other this Saturday, October 15th, at the Brisbane South Bank Piazza. One of not, the nicest piazzas in the world, Tom. Not to be mistaken for a pizza. This is P-I-A, not P-I-Z-Z-A. Look, take the A out, it's pizza. Put the A back in, it's piazza. Well, you put the A back in and you've got a world-class boxing match under matchroom, Eddie Hearn. Fucking the closest thing I've been to, like being in the room with James yeah. Bond. And for those reasons and those reasons alone, Tom, that's why I'm putting the A back in. You and make it piazza. Yes, exactly right. Look, it would, would you mistake him for James Bond? Fuck, I could. You definitely could. And you should. And you would. And you would. Now, if Great, you yeah. can't get to the Brisbane South Bank Piazza, then you can also get this uh, fight on DAZN. So subscription model, not pay-per-view model. DAZN's where it's at. Shout out DAZN. Uh, shout out DAZN. Shout out Eddie Hearn. Fucking great yarn. Yeah. Rip in. You are listening to the Hello Sport Podcast. You film it in here every week? No, mate, we're from Sydney. We oh, right, okay, cool, yeah. cool. Yeah, we just came up for the day. Rented out the, uh, the nice the jacaranda, room, jacaranda room here. Yeah, yeah it's pretty nice sweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you were here, right? But they said you were... Mm. That's why you booked it near and then you moved? Because everyone's in the other hotel. Okay. And I just thought, not a fucking great look, is it? You lot go in the courtyard, I'll be in the emporium. You know what I mean? So I thought I'd be a team player this week. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Did you? Is it? Is it worse down there? Have you, no, it's not. It's all right, isn't it? Like, literally, oh, like, literally a couple hundred yards. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. So... Yeah, you're not slumming it, mate. Not no, 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 no. I would have stayed in here if I was. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I checked it out online. I was like, actually, it's all right. But it's not yeah, too bad. Yeah. Look, so this is obviously Matchroom's first, mm-hmm. you know, foray into the Australian yeah. market. Mm. Brock Jarvis, Liam Paro. I was aware, like, I didn't know Liam, but I know Brock just because mm. of his association with Jeff. Yeah. Um, how big of a fight is this in the context of boxing for these two guys? And I guess for Australian boxing, for people that don't really understand or aren't as aware. I mean, I liken this. Look, if, if this was the UK market, then obviously it's a massive fight. Yeah. I mean, you've got one kid's 22-0, and 0, one kid's 20-0, and 0, right? One guy's number one in the world, Liam Paro, on the verge of fighting for a world title shot. The other one looks like he should be sort of in a mixture between GQ front Seriously. cover and Hulk. Like incredible yeah, Hulk, hot, right? Yeah. And Jeff Fennick, you know the whole story. Mm. Like Brock Jarvis, for me, if he's got the ability, should be a superstar of Australian boxing. Mm. Now he's been fighting actually in weight categories that have just been too small for him, and I, I just don't think he sort of had the energy or or really the the sort of 
you know, that, that bustliness of, of being able to sustain pressure mm. because he's so boiled down. Have you seen the size of him? So he's now, I know, but now he moves up to 140 pounds. Mm. He's a monster. Yeah. yeah. Like, and, and what I love about this fight is the thing is with Australian boxing, it's such a small community, right? Literally, like when I was here in June or July, mm. I'd go, I went for a meeting in Toowoomba. Someone told me it was like, it's only like half an hour up the road. <laughs> Three hours later, I'm in a car like, on the way there. <laughs> anyway, got to this gym. Literally, as I walked in the gym, someone messaged me going, I've heard you're in Toowoomba. I'm like, what's going on? You know, so <laughs> everyone knows everyone. So yeah, yeah. When, when we made this fight, so we represent Liam Parra and Brock Jarvis. Right. So I said, that's like the obvious fight. Mm. And then Liam Parra's team, like Angelo and Alfie DiCarlo said, oh look, we're mates with Jeff. Like, and he, he wouldn't want to fight Liam. Like they know, mm. you know, Liam's like number one, number one. Mm. So then I phoned Jeff. I said, Jeff, do you want to fight Liam Parra? He's like, fucking right. Yeah, and then right. they were a bit offended. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, although they're friends, like there's quite a lot of needle. Yeah. And, and like, I just think it's an obvious fight. So, mm. you know, for us, obviously we've signed a lot of Australian talent, but we just, it's about learning as well. You know, like you guys are very similar to Brits in my opinion, mm. right? You love your sport. Mm. You like entertainment. You like a night out. You like a beer. Like it's not, it's not rocket science, but you've still got to learn about cities, states, culture, you know, like you can't just bowl in as a pro. I mean, we've got the name. People like fight fans know Matram, they know me. So that's, yeah. you know, we'll sell it out. There'll be 3,000, it'll be rocking. But there's a bigger picture, mm. you know, moving into stadiums and sort of pushing Australian boxing because it's very vibrant. Like you've got a show nearly every week. Yeah. Doesn't mean they're all selling out, by the way. Doesn't mean they're, <laughs> but, but still, whilst you've got promoters and broadcasters pushing boxing, mm. Australian boxing's in a really good place. We'll get more on Australian boxing in a sec, but when you're talking from a promotional standpoint and you've got two like really good up-and-comers, both undefeated, is there ever like a concern when you've got them fighting each other that you're like you can't, you're damaging one of them's sort of brand slightly because someone's going to lose most likely? Yeah, but I think really we're, we're on the verge here. You know, we've got Australian boxing, then we've got the world scene. Mm. So you've got Liam Paro, like he's ready to fight for the world title. So really, like the winner of this fight goes on to fight for a world title. Yeah. The loser stays relevant, mm. but you know maybe stays. Like all these Australian fighters, they want to fight internationally. Mm. So we got Stevie Sparks, who we signed like from Toowoomba. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got him fighting Montana Love in Cleveland, Ohio. Right. Like it's a life changing fight. I mean, he could win that fight if he mm. wins that fight on American TV. Mm. He's like he's he's it a proper star. Yeah. Ebony Bridges has become a massive star in the UK. Yes, you know Sky Nicholson's fighting all around the world. Dempsey McKean the same. So they want that because they feel that. Australian boxing so limited. They all want to fight internationally. We want to change that a little bit, mm. you know, and actually say, no, you should want to fight for a world title in Australia. So yeah. I think the winner goes on on a, on a global scale, but the loser still stays relevant. But as long as you're in a good fight, like too many, I feel like in boxing, too many people are worried about losing the O. Yes. So you've got 22-0 against 20-0. Don't yeah. worry. This will be a great, either way, this will be a great fight. Mm. And then it doesn't matter if you get beat. Everyone turns around and goes, good on you. Like, you took on a, an undefeated guy, you'll be back. And Brock Jarvis is always in good fights. But, like, the pressure's on Paro because he's sort of defending that number one position. And, I mean, Jeff Fennick, like, you're never going to get a bigger Brock Jarvis supporter than Jeff Fennick. Yeah. Like, there's like, he's, he's like his son, isn't yes. it? You know, yeah, Jeff, well, I think he's actually yeah. dating and his daughter. Yeah, yeah, he so. is. Yeah, he is. <laughs> yeah, 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 well, yeah, keeping yeah. it in the family. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but Jeff's yeah. a lunatic. You know, yeah. like, he's a proper full on lunatic. Yeah. Nicest, <laughs> like, night, real yeah. nice guy. But I love him. Passionate. You know, and a character as well. So I guess, can you give us a bit of an understanding of the card, like the undercard of this? Yeah. Uh, so what? Weekend? Another thing I love about Australian boxing is everyone's up for fighting everyone, because okay. like to get the opportunity to fight on this card, 
So obviously you've got the TV fight. So you've got Liam Parra against Brock Jarvis, 22-0 against 20-0. You've got Dempsey McKean, who I feel like has gone under the radar a little bit in terms of Australian boxing because he's been fighting overseas for a bit now. Mm. He's top 12, top 13 in the world in the heavyweight division. So I'm looking at people like Anthony Joshua thinking, I want Anthony Joshua to have three or four fights now, keeping active, but like to box him around the world. Mm. I mean, I'm a massive cricket fan. If I can yeah, do AJ against yeah, Dempsey yeah. McKean at the Gabba, like it's made my life. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so, we'll, but, we'll but, yeah, but we'll, that's we'll the kind, you know, yeah. So Dempsey McKean fights um, Corte, I think it's 19-1, German heavyweight. Then you've got Sky Nicholson, who's really a profile, is going through the roof. She's fighting Christina Jacobs for the Commonwealth title. Got a brilliant fight between Glenn Tapia, uh, sorry, Matteo Tapia and Abdullah Mayweather. And it's just like two undefeated super middleweights who mm. no one really wants to fight. And I was just like, right, you two, fight each other. And they're like, okay. I'm like, wow, you don't get that in England. Like all the managers and like yeah, trainers are going, no, yeah. no, no, I'm not fighting him, he's too dangerous. They're going, chance to fight on a card. Yeah. Like they both want to fight on the card. I said, if you're going to fight, you've got to be in a 50-50. Mm. No problem. So I'm like, great, stick Perfect. him in. And then, and then on, even on the undercard, you've got like, there's a fight on the undercard. It's, it's mad. Between Jalen Tate. Jaden the Wolf Tate, yeah. right, who's with, with Angelo DiCarlo, he's like 9-0. and 0. He's fighting a debutant <laughs> called Reese Evans, who's had like 120 amateur fights. Oh, really shit. good. Like, yeah. And I'm like, you're debuting against a 9-0 and 0 kid. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. You wouldn't do that in England. You'd yeah. never do yeah, that yeah. in England. He's like, look, I think I'm good enough to beat this kid. Mm. It's my debut. What a statement that would be. If it means getting on the matchroom card, I'll take it. Yeah. I'm like, I love that. Yeah. Uh, Ricky Ogden. Um, against Sam Cameron Hands, it's like four and zero against seven and zero. Mm. You know, um, Mirko Pizzi against the uh, uh, Bigs, it's like four and zero against five and zero. Mm. And I love that, you know, because it's just fifty fifty wars. So if you're buying a ticket for Saturday night at the Piazza, you can get there from five o'clock to eleven o'clock and just see great fights. And I think that's part of you know because you've got like the whole boxing scene comes anyway. Right, so now you've got to bring people yeah. who haven't experienced it before. Yeah. That's why I wanted to go to the Piazza, because they've never held boxing there before. It's kind of like a gladiatorial amphitheater, mm. you know. And it's a really good, cool venue because mm. everyone goes to like same thing, Nissan Arena, you know. Like I wanted to do something a bit different, and mm. you need great fights. And I think we've got a really, really good card, and and just to start the journey. How long have you had your eye on Australia for? And Wanting to come down here and do something. I was I was quite fascinated by the football stuff, you know, like with with Gallon yeah. and like even and even before that, you know, going back. back we got a proud history of rugby league players yeah. punching on on TV. Yeah. But I think it sells. Yeah, it does. I mean, the, the first thing I'm fascinated about is pay per view here, mm. right? So, really expensive pay per view for you guys. Yeah. yeah, and does solid numbers, but small numbers. So actually. How do you grow a fighter doing those kind of numbers? Like, mm. I came to a show here last time I was here in, I think, uh, June, end of June, and it was um, Hooney against uh, Goodall, mm. right? Really good, like, Australian heavyweight fight. Mm. It was on pay-per-view on a Wednesday night. And I don't know how many buys it does, 5,000, 10,000, something like that. But, like, how are you going to grow Hooney or develop a fighter I understand the model because the broadcaster's not willing to pay the money, so you've got to do it that way. But 
Now, this is this partnership with The Zone that we've got, yeah. which is a much cheaper subscription to watch all our shows globally. Mm. So I think that that kind of pay-per-view at whatever it is, 60, 70 bucks, I mean, that's always fascinating. 60 bucks. 60 bucks. Yeah. It's and it's the same for, like, rugby league fighters as it is for, yeah. you know, Mayweather. But they did. A, I think the rugby league guys did a good job to bring awareness to boxing in Australia. Yeah. But I just feel like now, now you've actually got some good fighters. Obviously, Cambosis with a win. Tim Zhu's a good fighter. You've got Ebony Bridges won a world title. You've got other females have won a world title. Sky Nicholson, you know, Liam Pyro. You've got you've you've actually got good fighters now. Stevie Sparks, if he wins, like mm. so I think we can start moving away. Look, I was talking about doing Gallon against Sonny Bill Williams. I'm not yeah. saying I, I I won't do footballer fights, but I just feel like you're at a tipping point now. Yeah. Where there is a genuine interest in you've the got, Australian you've got the boxing. Yeah, yeah, you have, you have. And I think now what happens is it's a bit like cricket, you know. As the audience changes, you, if you want to bring in a new audience and new attention, 2020 cricket really did that. Mm. You know, test match cricket just wasn't really the right product mm. for the new age audience. Well, that's the ashes, no one really Exactly, cared. but if you bring people in with 2020, they'll fall in love with the game and then they'll actually enjoy a test match cricket. Yeah. It's a bit the same with YouTube boxing or, you know, the footballers, is they go in, they'll, well... Oh, Gallon, I don't really know anything about boxing. Watch the boxing. It's good this boxing, isn't it? Yeah. Next thing you're watching Tim Zoo. You know, then you're watching Hooney. Then you're watching um, Liam Paro. Then so I think they've done a really good job. But for me, the focus is more on the boxing and grassroots. You know, from the bottom to the top. So grassroots all the way up to the elite level of the game. And you've got good amateurs here as well. Mm. Uh, boxing Australia does a good job, and and that's really the key, mm. the progression. If you can start unearthing a couple of Olympic gold medalists that can go on, and you will do, because there's no reason. Why you shouldn't? Yeah, how do you go coming into different markets using Australia as an example? And like we've got, we're friends with the dudes from No Limit who yeah. have sort of done a lot to basically bring boxing back mm. to the sort of forefront of people's interest here. How do you go moving into different markets? And do you, like do you give a shit about stepping on toes, or is it like do you try and sort of be you yeah, know? Yeah, well we come in, we actually come, come we actually come in peace here. Yeah, um, I don't often. In all honesty, <laughs> like when I went into America. <laughs> I pissed everybody off. Like, yeah. And, and yeah. I don't know whether it's the right tactic or not, but I'm just going to be myself. You know, we had a big budget. We went in and I was probably a bit obnoxious. And But over here, where we're not really, I'm not, like, I'm not actively looking to take over. Mm. I'm looking to take part. Mm. And of course, we want to dominate wherever we go. We like, we like to win. Yeah. But I really like the guys. You know, Matt Rose and those guys, like I've known him for a long time. I think he actually does a brilliant job here. Mm-hmm. I think... I don't mean to sound arrogant, but a lot, and I think he he may agree with this, a lot of what they do is based upon what they've seen us do in bigger shows. And I, you know, like, I copy Mm. UFC. Like, I I say to all our guys, watch UFC. And they probably say, look at match, because I look at the graphics and I look at the press conferences and I think, she looks like one of our shows, which is a compliment (laughs) to them, you know, and I think... Like, I think they've done a fantastic job. You know, Tasman Fighters, Dean Lonergan's been around a long time, Angelo DiCarlo's a character. Like, you need all those people in boxing because without that competition, mm. and everyone's trying to outdo everyone. I mean, no one really likes each other. I, I was, <laughs> when I came and met everyone, yeah, I was, like, yeah, sat down with everyone. Yeah. And yeah. Like, I'm not saying who said what, but it's not really like, you know, you don't want to work with him, are you? Yeah, yeah, but yeah, that's yeah. the same with any boxing market around the world. Yeah. So, look, No Limit do a brilliant job. Um, Tasman, Angelo... Uh, Dean, like the, and I think it's important to stay. There's no reason to to fall out. We want to sign the best Australian talent, mm. no doubt about mm. that. Mm. And we've got 
a really strong stable. There's other Australian fighters we'd love to sign that are contracted to those guys. Yeah, We're not looking yeah. to nick them. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. of course, you know, we, we have something that's different to other promoters. We have a global platform and a global schedule. Mm. So we can promote these guys in big shows in Australia, in London, in Vegas, at Madison yeah. Square Garden. It's quite it's quite unique yeah. opportunity for fighters. Do you think fighters. that's why you have to be like maybe more boisterous going to like a US market? Because it's just bigger and there's it's maybe yeah, more competitive. It's more, yeah. like you've got to it's go louder. swing your dick a little yeah, bit and try yeah. and make some noise. You, you do. And I think... Like when I went into America, people criticized us for, oh, you know, you came out, you told everyone about your big budget. You should have really gone in uh, uh, under the radar. Fuck under the radar. Yeah. Who likes under the radar? That's not no. me. Yeah. You know, over here, be, but because I'm not looking to come here and do 12 shows a year and like, I don't really need to do that. Mm. I, our brand is big enough to have the credibility to come here. And also, I guess I've matured a little bit because when I did go into America, I did go in, I say pissing in the wind, but like, I thought that I understood the market better than I did. Mm. Yeah. And um, I was a, probably a little bit naive to think that I could go to New York and to LA and to Texas and think it was all just like London. Yeah. You know, and that's one thing I've learned is that you have to understand the local market. Mm. And we're learning that all the time. You know, I come here last night, I've been walking around this morning. You Jet know, lag. I'm saying, yeah, but I'm <laughs> saying, you know, I want to see more visibility on the streets. You know, we've seen, like, we're going to be sold out on Saturday, but we've seen a huge amount of ticket sales in the last three or four days. Mm. So, okay, you guys buy a bit later. Mm. Yeah. You know, yeah. whereas in the UK, they buy on the first day of sale, and you don't really, really sell a lot. Yeah, I, I don't know whether they're more organised or what, but... <laughs> no, we buy late. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but that's, that's, late. Yeah, that's different mm. to the UK. I mean, you still sell on fight week. Yeah. You know, but we've got, I don't know, three or four hundred tickets left. And, I don't reckon you know, I've bought a pay-per-view more than like 45 I, I, minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah 45 well, that, minutes like, is pushing. Yeah. Yeah. Pay-per-view yeah. pay is one thing. Tickets is another thing. But, you know... Yeah, tickets, sorry. Uh, but but again, again, I think people are used to always being able to get tickets yes. for Australian shows. Mm. So it's not never like... never no, Yeah, <laughs> but, but basically. Basically, I mean, yeah, I went... Again, uh, I went to the Huni fight. Mm. Like it was, you know, it's a small... For, for a fight of that magnitude, mm -hmm. it's not easy to sell tickets. Yeah. This is a, a new market, you know? It's no secret that Australians are like sport mad. Like if you look at the AFL and then rugby league, it's basically split down the middle of the country but both sports like punch massively above their weight. Do you think boxing can get some momentum going where it becomes like it taps into how sport mad Australians are? I think it's... Do you think that's ever a possibility? Is it, will, will it always no, be a bit it's niche? It's all based around the talent. Yeah. Right? So what you need is you need a superstar. Mm. Right, how much do you look like Christian Bale, by the way? Has anyone ever said that to you before? I mean, look, you're not as handsome as Christian Bale. Well, Who do you always was, get? No, no, you always I get, get uh, um, Jake, Gyllenhaal. Jake Gyllenhaal. So I'll take it. Right, mate. I mean, <laughs> he's absolutely loving life, isn't he? Christian Bale, yeah, most... You look like Christian Bale. What Batman? He's going to most people die out of that for the rest of his life, Bradley Cooper gets chucked around every once in a while. We'll leave it there, we'll leave it there, But you need a superstar. You need... And, you know, Tim Zhu probably isn't quite good enough. Like, I don't, Not I, enough panache, do you think? Or is it... Or great, or, I think what he's done for I mean, Australian boxing has been brilliant, but you need you need an Anthony Joshua, right? Yeah. You need... And, and they're so rare. You need a Canelo Alvarez. You know, yeah. you're going back to Tim Zhu, going back, you know, uh, sorry, uh, Costa Zhu. Like, you need a guy who can dominate globally. Mm. And you need a guy where the younger generation want to be like that individual and it, it grows grassroots boxing it increases participation you've got fighters now that can compete on a world level and win world titles so mm. that's going to help 
but you need like if you're going to become a big sport the, the other benefit you guys have got is the funding from state governments like it's quite unique mm. like we don't get any funding in the uk for, really? for events you've got haney cambosis melbourne government yeah. want to pump four million into yeah. that yeah. and yeah. to the rematch which well, they all nothing. bid with each other to know. get the rock. They like, each other for rugby but they're paying, they're, like, paying, they're paying for the rematch, which really, like, not being funny, like, <laughs> the first one, no, yeah. but... It's but, not the same. We were at the first one, we yeah, were like... Jesus. I know. But, but amazing <laughs> that the government want it, but, and if we come over here and bring Anthony Joshua or Gennaro Alvarez, you know, there's going to be funding for that. So you, you've got a, a government that want to bring big events here. Mm. So you need world-level operators in terms of talent, Need to bring consistent big events. I remember watching Horn against Pacquiao mm. from the UK, thinking, "Bloody hell, wow, mm. that is unbelievable!" Pacquiao in, in you know in in the Suncorp, you know, mm. and and he and he ends up winning, mm. you know. And I feel like well. Horn, you know, he had a bit of a chance there with Horn, and it, yeah, he'd done a great job. But you need consistent performers and someone yeah. that can dominate and and characters as yeah, well. Yeah, I was going to ask, how important do you think is having a character to that to being yeah. a global sensation so you know important. like yeah. anthony joshua's got like a nice smile he's yeah. big he's brash he's like cocky like, he but he looks super human he looks yeah, super yeah. human he's got this look this feel like you know like brock jarvis for example yeah. very good looking like yeah. it's something like how much of that goes into so important but superstar. also how they're built you know in terms of their profile so like with aj the first thing we did was aligned him with under armor Next thing, he's on in every store globally. Mm. You know, he's on billboards on Times Square. He's in London. He's in Tokyo. You know, signs up with Beats. He's on all the billboards everywhere. You need brands to carry those guys forward. So, you know, if a Tim Zhu was fronting up a campaign for, I don't know, Gatorade or Powerade or Luxo, you know, and it, all of a sudden he's all across Australia. Mm. That's the art of promotion. But you've got to have that look. Like, again, going back to Brock, not saying Brock's going to get a massive gl global deal with Powerade, but mm. he's the kind of kid that if he comes through, mm. you know, beats Liam Paro, fights for the world title, yeah. you can at least imagine him, you know, on Doing the front. I could see him in Calvin Klein's put it yeah, up. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure, you for know sure. What I mean, yeah, I mean but, but that's really, you know, you need... The problem is with boxing is it's down the pecking order of so many sports in, in many different markets. You know, yeah. in the UK now, it's actually probably top five. Mm. But you go to America and it's like, you know, basketball, baseball... American football, ice hockey, college football, college baseball, college football, yeah, and then, <laughs> yeah, and then yeah, UFC, yeah. and then it's like boxing's down there. So, but over here, obviously, it's hugely dominated by the, by by your football, and also cricket and, and other sports. And you know, but again, it's just it's just about talent. And I think you've got a lot of fighters now that are going to be fighting for world titles. And, and with people like us using Australian fighters around the world in in big fights in big platforms. Mm. I think it has lots of potential. Punters and Dribblers, today's episode brought to you by Good Day, the fastest selling multivitamin of all time. Do I have data to back that up? No, I don't. That's a vibe-based thing. Big shout out to the, the dribblers that are already uh, on it. It's, it's changing lives. I think 207 reviews, five star, all of them at begoodhealth.com.au. If you need... Uh, to hear it straight from the dribbler's mouth, go and read them because it's been described multiple times as life-changing. As we explained last week, we are currently uh, taking pre-orders only as we are out of stock because it's sold way quicker than anyone could have possibly expected, which we fucking love you all for. We are taking pre-orders. It'll be back in stock later this month. And if you 
are a subscriber, you will be getting the goods. You have not been forgotten about. Begoodhealth.com.au, code dribbler for 20% off. We love you. Punters and Dribblers, the podcast is always brought to you by the betting platform of choice over here, and that is Ned's. Ned's, baby. Ned's. That's it. Number one in Australia, in our opinion, nay the world, nay the universe, nay the multiverse. Now, if you want to follow Tom and I and our mate Guru and our mate Sebo, I mean, I think Tobler's on there, but who cares about that? The Profiles tab, Ed, it's uh, an innovation by Ned's where you can go and you can see what people are betting on. It is essentially accountability in app form. Well, it's accountability personified. Correct. Uh, there's also obviously the about even group in there where everyone's sharing their own bets, giving each other shit, having a laugh, having a chuckle, having a Paul Rahihi. That's a rugby league reference that some may not get. But no, some. I liked it. Now, you win some, you lose more. For free and confidential support, visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. Buy a six-pack of Big Day Rosé at hellosport.shop. What are we doing month of May? Because we are working our way through the remainder of the uh, the most recent vintage. Got a couple left that we want to get rid of before we then turn all of our attention to the end of the year. Just feeling generous, Tom. We're feeling generous, and it's, a t- it's, it's sale time. We just thought, fuck it. If you buy a case and you use the code MANLY... You get fifty bucks off the case. If you, you buy go. two cases, you get a hundred bucks off. Yep. You get what I'm trying to say. Go to hellosport.shop, bang, rose on there, code manly, fifty bucks off a case. Pretty fucking generous if you ask me. But we love the punter and we love the dribbler and we're just like let's get this vintage out there to the people that yep. want it most. Let's get it in the gullets of the nation. That's right. Gull it up. When you've got like I guess when you talk about boxing being sort of lower down the rung with the other sports generally, one of the knocks on, I guess, boxing is like just having the best fight the best mm. sometimes. Like, and, you know, you had it with uh, Floyd and Pacquiao. And then obviously Joshua's off losses now, but there's the, all there's been the Fury, Joshua, mm-hmm. Yarn, and then it was on. And I saw an interview with you where you were like, fuck, sometimes it's when you least expect it to happen is mm. when it's potentially going to happen. But then you've got Tyson Fury's old man on Instagram being like, it's fucking off, it's done. Yeah, and uh-huh. you're like... What's it seems like sometimes it's you can, like boxing can't get out of its own way when you're trying to get these big fights together. What is your I think, perspective I think, yeah. on that and trying to get these fights well, done? Look, you, you know, you look at the UFC model with Dana White. Well, I'm incredibly jealous of that model because yeah. basically you're just told who you're fighting. Yeah. <laughs> so you sign a contract and you fight, you get your money and you fight whoever, you know. So it's like just let you know you're fighting June the 13th mm. and you're fighting him. Mm. Okay. See you there. I'd win. Yeah. I know. Yeah, yeah. But, but <laughs> it's like, yeah. depends if you came as Batman. To. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But, but it's like, so, but in boxing, the frustrating thing is, and promoters get the bad rap sometimes, mm. but we, you have to understand, we want to make great fights. <laughs> like, we want to make big fights, big shows, yeah. sell tickets, drive pay-per-view, do big numbers. Mm. But you're dealing with an advisor, a trainer, a lawyer, you know, and ultimately, they're very difficult people. I mean, Tyson Fury... All of a sudden, we're negotiating. He's going very well and comes out on Instagram and says, you've got to sign it by the end of tonight. <laughs> Otherwise, it's off. And it's like, what? 
And now he's he's fighting Derek Chisora. Yeah. This is two weeks on. Yeah. They still haven't got the fight. So why did we have a deadline two weeks ago? Yeah. And now you're still negotiating with Derek Chisora. But anyway. Also, so why would he fight someone like Chisora? Like this is a, it's a trilogy. Yeah, but that's I know. Like, but he's already like, like, the fuck? Because but that's really Tyson Fury is the master of deception, mm. right? And and you know I still have people like he was in a fight with Deontay Wilder and he was like, I'm gonna give my entire purse to the homeless. <laughs> And I'm like, what the fuck? And I still have people coming up to me going, you know, I like that Tyson Fury. You know, he gave his whole purse to the homeless. I'm going, not only did he not give his purse, he didn't give one dollar to the homeless. Do you know what I mean? But it's like, I'm thinking, but just now people are like looking at the Instagram and he's yeah. like, I'm retired, I'm fighting Joshua, now yeah. I'm fighting Chisora. Yeah. And they're like, what? He's just, I don't know, he's all over the all place. Over but the he's, place. you go back to characters and yeah. profile, he's a great, I mean, look, I met him, I was going to sign him. And we were in Monaco probably four years ago. And this is when he was 27 stone. Like he was, his, you know, he had his, his big prop. Yeah. yeah. And I was sitting here looking at him and I just thought, mate, you will never lace up a pair of gloves again. Yeah. I mean, he made me look like Brock Jarvis. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm looking at him and then fair play to him. Like what he's done to come back is incredible. Mm. Like incredible. So, but I feel like going back to your question, Boxing gets a, a tough rap sometimes because it does make great fights, but mm. sometimes the bigger fights slip away. The bigger problem is the politics, not just between promoters, but between networks. So obviously I work for DAZN globally and someone might work for Fox or Showtime or, you know, like similar over here. Mm. You know, and, and that, that politics would apply over here. If I've got a big fight that I want to do in Australian boxing, look, we had it recently with Ebony Bridges and Shannon O'Connell. So we wanted to do the fight on DAZN. You know, Matt wanted to do it on Fox. We ended up can't agree a deal. We got a purse bid. I win, obviously. But, but, you know, <laughs> uh, no, but it, it actually in the end, the girls win yeah. because they end up making yeah, a load yeah, more yeah. money. Yeah, Me and yeah. Matt should have just done a deal in the first place, you know. <laughs> but, but, so, and that's not, not working the best in, in the best interest of boxing. That's just working the best interest of your company and your, your network. Mm. So you want the best fights on your network. You've got it now with Errol Spence uh, against Crawford. Mm. You know, but now there's no escape. Crawford's a free agent, so that fight should be getting made. But another problem is fighters are vastly overpaid, most of them, in relation to their commercial value. You know, purses are going through the roof, but ticket sales aren't, mm. pay-per-view numbers aren't, mm. but it's just the competition between promoters. And that's the same you know, with the purse bid the other day. And like, you know, we're here now, so like no limits are going to probably be paying more money to fighters because I don't want anyone to go and match them and we're going to come in and start, you know, we're paying Jarvis and Paro top money and that word will get out and yeah. like, so it just keeps raising the bar. Great mm. for fighters, not necessarily great for us. Mm. So I just think that it comes down to, mostly it comes down to if the fighters and the teams want the fight. You yeah. Know, if, if, Is it also like in terms of just who you're dealing with, like, at the high end of any sport, right? Like, but specifically, like, fight sports, it seems like there's almost screws loose with the fight. Like, you've got to be so, like, narrow-focused and extreme. How much do you have to, like, be aware of that when you're dealing with... I, I mean, I guess dealing with other fighters, as you said, there's, like, lawyers and all this shit that mm. sort of separates you. But with your own fighters, like, just dealing with, like, almost just these very intense athletes. Like, yeah. You, how, much, how aware ego. of that are you when ego. you're I dealing mean, with it? Like, having to massage it and be aware? Is yeah, it a pain in the arm? Yeah, I think that um, it's all about personal relationships. But I've had it, you know, had it, I know Eubank Ben fell through, but that fight nearly fell through previously because Eubank wanted to be first on the poster, right? right? Yeah. And then I said to him, let's toss a coin. Like, neither of them are champions. Yeah. 
And he goes, no, I'm, it has to be you, Bank Ben, or there's no fight. And it's like, mm. <laughs> So I go, all right, well, let's toss a coin. And he goes, no. So I go, fuck, okay. Well, can Conor Ben walk second? No. I said, well, can we toss a coin for that? No. Yes. I'll go back to yeah, Conor right, right, anyway. Right. As we go to sign a contract, Eubank says, I want to walk second as well. Oh, I'm like, geez. no, no, mate, we're tossing a coin? He went, no, I've changed my mind. He's like, fuck. So I phone up Conor Ben. He goes, no way, no fucking way. I'm, I'm sitting there going, oh my God, three months I've been working on this fight. It's really going to. So at that point, I have to go to Conor and say, Conor, listen to me, right? One of you is going to like lose this fight yeah. because it's just, and he's completely wrong, right? Yeah. I agree with you, but we're going to lose this fight. Well, we'll lose the fight then. We'll lo- I said, no, we can't. We can't lose the fight because you're worried about him going first on the poster. So then at that stage, it's the personal relationship yeah. for him to trust you enough to go, all right, we'll do it. And in yeah. the end, he went, oh, fucking, I've gone then. I'm like, yeah. No, and then it didn't even happen anyway. No. So it's like all, all that work. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, but that's that's just a, an example yeah. of what we're up against. We end up getting the blame for everything. Yeah, I'm, generally me. But that's like a, a classic moment where a fight can, and that might be the same with Crawford against Spence. How, how do you keep like calm in those situations? Because fight sports, like more than anything else, appear to fights can follow for a myriad of reasons, like. When do you relax about when a, when a fight's going to go ahead? When they Only walk when, out? Yeah, literally. I mean, you yeah. saw it last week. You know, it, it is, it's the worst business in the world. <laughs> but I say it like this. Every show has 20 problems, right? Imagine doing one a week, which mm. is what we do. Yeah. So it's just the worst business in the world because I'll wake up in the morning, turn my phone over, and I've got our US business and all the problems flooding in. And that's before I actually start my day. You know, now we've got Australia, now we've got Italy, Spain, Mexico, all around the world. So it's problem after problem after problem. But we also, well, I love what I do. Mm. But you have to, you know, life's about putting yourself in positions time and time again. That's the same in sport as it is in business. And that's how you improve. That's how you get used to handling situations. When Jarrell Miller failed a drugs test fancy Joshua at Madison Square Garden five years ago, mm. I felt like I was going to crumble to the floor when I got a call. You know, I was like, oh. I had to go into another room and I was like sitting there going, oh, we'd sold out Madison Square Garden. I was like, I just went numb. Now, like the same with last week, dealing yeah. with it, you end up getting a blame, whatever happens, but she's like, okay, you've been here before. Mm. It's the same when a fighter makes his ring walk or when a cricketer walks out in front of a massive crowd. Like mm. you just, you keep putting yourself in positions. So, and, and experience of dealing with situations is everything. A bit like the Ben you know, ring walk stuff. I've been there before mm. with AJ or with Frotch Groves or with like so many different fights mm. where you know how to talk to a fighter. You've been here before. It's not like, oh God, I want more. what am I going to say to him? It's like, come in, let's yeah. have a chat about this. How do you deal with someone like, you signed AJ like from when he started, yeah. right? Professionally. Yeah. So you're sort of like, I don't know exactly the nature of your relationship, but I guess it's sort of like some sort of father figure. Mm. You've been there to see all of this development at the highs and then now like the lows after a loss. What do you do? Something like that. Because obviously there's like the business mind for you where it's like maybe you're not now. Maybe he's not necessarily the the top draw fighter mm. he was before he lost to Ruiz or to mm. Usyk twice. But like what do you – how do you handle that, like the business side of he's, things? He's, he's a mate really. Yeah. I mean, you know, like with all the stuff going on last week with Ben Eubank, like he was the first one messaging me mm. saying, listen, just checking in on you. Fucking I've seen all this. Like you're all right. Just yeah. keep keep going, mate. Just like, you know, and that's, that's the relationship we've got. He's – 
like sounds cheesy, but he's an inspiring individual. You know, when you're around people with great energy, mm. you know, and he's one of those guys. Like he's amazing what he's achieved and his mindset to keep going. Like, I always feel like it's why you don't really see a lot of people from wealthy backgrounds making it in boxing. It's a tough, brutal sport. Mm. You've got to be cut from a certain kind of cloth. Mm. But what fascinates me with winners, people like Canelo Alvarez, people like Anthony Joshua, is when you come from nothing and then you get it all, how do you keep that fire burning in a sport as tough as boxing? It's like Marvin Hagler said, you know, it's very difficult to get up and do your morning runs when you're wearing silk pyjamas. Mm. The greatest line in boxing. Yeah, it is. Because when you've got it all, like Canelo Alvarez used to sell ice pops on the street of Guadalajara. Mm. And he dreamed of being a fighter and winning world championships and having a big house. Well, he's done it all. Mm. So how do you get up at 5 8 in the morning, throwing up on your hill sprints, then come back, have an hour's sleep, then go and spar 15 rounds? And he's been and flying then, professionally since he was 15. Yeah, yeah, and then get in your Bugatti and go to your <laughs> 20 million mansion in, yeah, in yeah. And, and still have that. That's because you're a winner and because you love what you do. So those guys are, are incredibly inspiring. So for me, I love it when I've got a close relationship with a fighter. Because one, you want to do more for them and the responsibility. There's nothing better as a promoter when a fighter says, I do, you know, I trust you. So look, you go to them and you say, this is, this is the plan. We've got this, we've got this, we've got this. And they say, whatever you think's best. Like, as a promoter, to have that responsibility, that trust, that's when you've got a very close relationship. And that's what we got with Anthony Joshua. Mm. You know, we've had him from his professional debut. He believes in us. But he'll still make the decisions. Mm. But, the, you know, there's a trust. And, and that's why... You know, when he lost to Ruiz at MSG, that's when you feel like you, your world's come crumbling down as well. And, you know, when he lost to Usyk recently, same thing. And he had his little, you know, wobble in the ring and little tear at the press conference. You're all in it together. Mm. You, um, it's, it's funny when, like, you talk about the, the Ruiz. I've noticed, like, you always seem to be quite well composed after in those moments. So after, obviously, like I, I wouldn't expect you to be there fucking crying with him, but like you know, like you do. Uh, there's, I'm there's underneath. This thing underneath, yeah, yeah, like yeah. It's, you can yeah. sort of tell. It's like you must be gutted for the mm. guy as well. But you sort of got to sit there and be like, "Well, it's a great fight. No, look, Usyk yeah. looked really good." And you're like, "But it just looks like it must be must just, just experience." Yeah. Just as I said earlier, you know, like I remember when he got stopped to Ruiz by Ruiz. That was his first defeat, and no, and one, no really one expected. expected. No, yeah. no, and. I remember sitting there and the worst thing was, I thought to myself, I'm going to wear a tuxedo tonight and a bow tie, <laughs> right? So I thought, Madison Square Garden, yeah. my first ever show, yeah. right? At Madison Square Garden. Sold Tucks out. Up. Yeah. yeah. And up. I look back on those pictures and I think, what a prick you are. You know what I mean? And, uh, and like, <laughs> because, because, I know, but I was just like, oh, and I was in the ring after and like, with it on and just but I, I remember when when he got beat I was just like my dad was sitting next to me he was a he's a hall of fame promoter yeah and I was like you know again I was just and I went fuck right to my dad and he went listen mate it's boxing get in go on like get in the ring right yeah. I'm like okay you know get in the ring and then gotta go and do the press conference and, you know, you're there and you've got Andy Ruiz there with his dad and the Mexican flag and all these belts that we've had for, like, five yeah. years. Yeah. And I'm going, you know, it's a, oh, I'm so, you know, so happy for you. You know, I'm thinking, oh. And then, and then AJ comes up like, And that night I actually walked home from MSG back to my hotel in Soho, which was, like, like two in or three months. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I was just, I was just like, <laughs> what private, yeah. private, private And every crop. now and again, yeah. you'd, you'd, I'd stumble across some drunk Brits, like, going, Eddie, <laughs> what's that, AJ? He's useless. Whoa, whoa. I'm like, oh, mate. <laughs> <laughs> so, you, but that's, I'm a failed athlete, really. Like, 
I think we all are. Yeah. We'd all love to be a professional sportsman, wouldn't we? But well, all, what, what, what did you fail at? I was a good cricketer. You know, okay. I played county cricket, but yeah, I was right. never like... You'd probably get a run now. Yeah, might have pulled for England. <laughs> yeah. The way you but go. I would have, if I could have done anything, I would have been a sportsman. Mm. Football, like, I was just never good enough. So being involved in sports is the next best thing. And my dad always said to me, if you can get 1% of the adrenaline that a fighter gets when they walk out, you should be very happy. And I feel like I'll get... 40%, 50%. And in fact, when I did Katie Taylor against Amanda Serrano yeah. at Madison Square Garden, I wore my tuxedo again. Oh, did you? Yeah, and the bow tie, and we won this yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> but when it was a close decision at the end, yeah. I sort of looked down and think, I'm never yeah. fucking wearing this. Yeah. Were, you, were, you, were you thinking about the million dollar bet? No, it's like, the thing is with Jake Paul, you never know how, so we're at the press conference, you know, and I knew he'd pull something like that, you know, during the week. So he's like, okay, you think you're so confident, you know, I bet all my jewellery, you know, he's got these terrible watches on, like, <laughs> like cubic zirconas yeah. everywhere. Yeah. And he's like, all my diamonds, you know, I bet that. I said, what's that, like 50 grand? Like all of them, 50 grand? It's half a million. I was thinking, it's definitely not. But I went, well, why don't we just make it a million then? And he goes, bet. And I went, sorry? <laughs> I was like, I just went, what? And his hands out, right? And now I'm thinking... Shit, and I think I think Katie Taylor's going to win, yeah. but it's a 50-50, you know. So I'm like, I'm thinking, oh, I'm gonna take the bet, but maybe I'll lay it off, you know, at the same time. So he's like, so I'm like, yeah, well, look, we'll talk about it. And he's like, no, no, bet. And now I'm sitting there, I'm looking out, and it's packed like the crowd of press. I'm like, fuck it. Well, we'll 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 paper it backstage, you know. We'll get because yeah, yeah. We'll bet then. I'm like, yeah, what? Um, and I just thought, fuck it. And everyone's going, oh, bet, bet. Like that. <laughs> so I'm like, oh my god. So then I go back to him. I say, because I don't trust him mm. to pay anyway. No. So I said, look, let's get a little contract drawn up, you know. And then the commission come on and go, guys, like, I really don't think it's a good look. Like you're the promoters of the show. <laughs> you're having a million dollar bet, and like people are going to start talking about you know paying judge. Like, well, yeah, I mean, yeah. so we're, so I was like quite happy to go. All right, well look. We'll leave it. He's like, oh, okay, who are you? And then obviously I won the fight. And I was like, huh. And everyone's <laughs> like, but publicly everyone was like, do you get your million? And I was like, you know what? Leave it. <laughs> Let him keep it. And everyone was like, wow, everyone's got some money. You know? But deep down I was thinking, damn. What's, what was it like working with Jake Paul? He's like 25, he's a kid in yeah. Yeah. Street, so. Um They're very bright, those guys. You know, I did mm. KSI against Logan Paul. Mm. I mean, Logan Paul, his brother, is really really sharp like super smart i mean have you seen him in wwe unbelievable he's like a like legit he's a, yeah, but WWE he's a, yeah but he's an incredible athlete yeah. full stop ksi you know any kid that starts his own youtube channel the next thing's got a number one hit you know he's boxing floyd mayweather he's i mean they're, they're, yeah, it's pretty crazy yeah they're, mm. they're really clever guys jake's jake's also bright but he's a little bit more wackier mm. but you need to be wacky in boxing he genuinely thinks He's a world-class fighter. Like he thinks so that's that, not bullshit. No, he comes up to me at that fight and he's going, you know, I beat Canelo. And I was like, and I looked at no. him. I was looking for his mic, you know, because I thought maybe he wants to capture a bit of this for social yeah, content. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he's not wearing one. And I'm like, I'm looking for a camera and there's no camera. I went, what? And he went, oh, I will beat your boy, Canelo Alvarez. I'm oh, like, Jesus. mate, you are. Because he's got all these guys in the gym like telling him he's, you know, he, and he's not, but he didn't like it because I said to him, you're average. Yeah, I've ever seen an interview with that. Said, that's a compliment. Like, there's a <laughs> ninety-five. Yeah, yeah. ninety-five percent of fires yeah. are average. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm and he like he's better. 
than some pro fighters like that. Mm. I thought that was a big compliment, but he didn't. He didn't like <laughs> he it. He didn't no. love it. No. no. But again, though, like you try when you're both co-promoting co-promoting a fight, it's like you're an established promoter yeah. and you've been doing this for a long fucking time. Yeah. Like dealing with a child, essentially, yeah. relative to you. Like, do you just find yourself being like, what the fuck? But you just use him. Yeah. You know, he used us. We mm. use him. Mm. You know, I, I can bring the credible boxing audience. He can bring, you know, different kind of audience. You know, yeah. hopefully people that tune in to watch that fight who wouldn't traditionally do that as well. So he has a massive platform, mm. very powerful messaging. So actually worked really well. You yeah. know, you've got us working hard on the sort of traditional, this is one of the great boxing fights of all time, historic nights mm. at Madison Square Garden and him with his crazy antics and different audience. And, and it did huge numbers that fight, and would, he was a part of it. Would you do any more of that YouTube stuff? Or Probably not. Like it, it was, I mean, look, the numbers were massive. I did it at Staples Center in Los Angeles. We sold out Staples Center. Did like 2 million pay-per-view buys globally. Jesus Christ. But it just, I just felt uncomfortable, you know? Like, I don't know. It was at like the press conference, and they started talking about each other's mums and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, right. Oh. Is it a bit lame? And I, like and I was like, so I was just sort of like melting yeah. at the stage. What's your but old man think about that? He's just, I mean, he's a, he's a boxing traditionalist. He's just getting his head around female fighters, <laughs> of which he he loves now. Because, mm. but when I first signed Katie Taylor, he was like, "Come on, son, <laughs> women don't fight." You know, like that's the best. Yeah, that's, that's what the, you're up against. Yeah. That that audience. And now, once he's experienced it, he's like, "Wow!" But again. But it's the numbers, like, you know, we'd, you'd, we'd finish a press conference and I'd look at the numbers from the press conference and think, like, that audience is just huge. That, that's why KSI has number one hits. You know, he, that's why Logan Paul is in the WWE getting millions, mm. millions of dollars. Did that, uh, like, sort of translate to your own notoriety being more? Like, so? I feel like you're more recognisable than the Actually, brand, Actually, it right? worked like, well for me because yeah. now, you know, I'm going, if I pick up my daughters from school... They're all like, the kids are all over me because they know me from Jake Paul, KSI. Yeah. Like, oh, do you know KSI? Do you know KSI? I'm like, yeah, yeah. It's like, wow. I'm like, Jesus Christ, I've been promoting Anthony Joshua and all the Canelo Alvarez and, you know, now you want to talk to me about KSI. So it's been part of the, the method behind the Matrim brand has been, and I don't mind saying it, has been building my brand. Mm. Because I look at WWE, I look at UFC and everyone's got a figurehead. Yeah. So they're not always totally dependent on talent. Talent's still key in whatever you do. But when you when I say to you, tell me five things about UFC or five things about MMA, mm. you go, UFC, Dana White. It's probably the first two things. Yeah. Or Conor McGregor, yeah. you know, and that's, you know. Joe Rogan I, probably gets it right. Yeah, now. yeah. But I say WWE, you go, or wrestling, you go, WWE, Vince McMahon, you know. Yeah. And in boxing, probably I come in the top five, right? Yes. But, but, and that's really the aim. Because I need to come to Australia and people go, oh, Eddie Hearn, Matrim. I'll go to that because I've seen their shows around the world. And that's how you expand globally as a business, by having a credible reputation for quality events. And, and, and you know, we push my profile. Yeah. Still push the fighter profiles, but it's important for me to be the guy banging the drum globally wherever we go. Do you think that uh, has led to, like, other promoters getting like you getting under their skin a little bit oh, i know time, like yeah. i think just recently i heard lou Debella talking shit oh. about you on joe uh, on ariel hawan yeah i know you've had like a but they don't Aram stop shit, they like. don't st i mean it's unbelievable like 
Ludabella, Leonard Ellaby, he's the other guy. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's Mayweather's. Is that Mayweather's yeah, Mayweather's guy? Yeah. Yeah. Hates me. Hates me. <laughs> <laughs> the wasn't is, there chatter about you fighting each other or something? Yeah, but like, I don't know, because I can't, I had a couple of amateur fights when I was young, but I'm pretty terrible. Yeah. But problem is, you never know if one of these guys can actually fight. Yeah. Like, he's like, he's in his mid-50s, but if he not, like I said to my dad, I went, Dad, I reckon me versus Ellaby. It's a big fight. He went, Ed. He went, you're useless. He went, you'll get knocked out. I said, yeah, but if it's 10 mil, you know, I'll, I'll, yeah. he said, it don't matter. He said, no amount of money. Yeah. If you get knocked out, you're done. Yeah. Like, your credibility. I'm yeah. like, all oh, right. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay. <laughs> but, but, like, they just, in, in America, they don't understand sarcasm. Like, no. for they Brit, don't, we Brit. were talking about yeah. that yesterday. Yeah. Brit, yeah. No we love sarcasm. And same right? so I've done an interview and someone asked me, why does Landella be not like you? And I said, I was in a funny mood, I said, probably he's a bit jealous because I'm, very likely to be the next James Bond. Right? That's only a stupid line. So he's come out and done an interview and gone, nah, like, he honestly, like, how does he think he's going to, he's never even done a film. Like, how's he going to come out? I'm like, yeah, oh, all right, mate. Go back to sleep, man. I said, I, I went at him the other day, he was like moaning about something and I just came out and said, mate, you, how can you talk about doing big shows I said all you ever did was carry Floyd Mayweather's jockstrap you know and he went mental I mean he said that he was going to stomp me out like, you know, and recently I was at a Canelo Triple G fight I was like walking around in Vegas they're like are you bothered about bumping into Len Ellaby I was like no fuck him I was like walking around the casino going a little bit of extra security yeah, in the wings yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah so they, they really don't like me but I feel like people love that at the same time they do know, love like, that shit and, and some people go, oh, it's stopping you making fights. But at the end of the day, it's keeping the conversation going. Mm. You know, the conversation must never sleep mm. about your fighters, about the sport, about boxing, whether that's beef with another promoter, whether that's the fighters hating on each other. Like, the conversation keeps that, keep, has to keep evolving. If you're in a room with, like, a Lennon L Ellaby looking to get a fight off the ground, would there be Chur in the room? Or is that all just... Yeah, they know they... Yeah, they really don't like. Like, it, it, to be honest, it is detrimental sometimes to making fights. Like, because if two promoters like each other, it's much easier to make a fight. Mm. Like, it would be very hard for me to. Like, we were going to do Haney Cambosas. I had Haney, mm. and basically, the Bella really blocked me from doing a deal, and and Devin had to take the deal with ESPN to get the fight with Cambosis. Right, so that's what I was trying to work yeah. out. Because DiBella had Cambosis. Yeah, and they wouldn't do the deal because it was like a global TV deal for the opponent and he wouldn't sell it to DAZN because DAZN wanted different markets. And But really, it was like half was that and half was like, fuck Eddie. So hey. then did you let Devin go? Yeah, of course, so he because could I wanted... To, I, I, I was been with Devin for the last four years. He won the world title with us. He made a fortune with us. Mm. But he always wanted to be undisputed. And he sort of come to me and said, look, I don't want to leave you guys like I said mate you're not going to get the fight with us so go and take your two fights on ESPN and then we'll talk and I'll, you know we'll come back but we always dreamed of being undisputed together yeah you know and it was a bit it was a kick in the nuts oh, but I'm yeah. not, never going to stop a fight again and, like you can't just turn around at that point and go no mm. you can't do that like mm. that's a that's an arsehole will so, you go watch him fight on the weekend or you, uh, you... I won't I mean it's, it's early morning isn't it on the Sunday so yeah. probably not probably stay here and get some raising Gold Coast if it, you know we don't get a lot of sun but I'm not, yeah. you know, not really yeah. but I, and, and I think he went like it's, the first fight wasn't overly entertaining and yeah. he'll yeah. it'll be the same he's just very good like he's very good at what he does you yeah. know just back to you know you're talking about uh, like I guess your old man's reactions mm. and all that sort of stuff what was it like coming up under your old man and sort of his, uh, you know, reputation and everything like that. Mm. Was there, a, were you always 
I know you said you want to be a, a cricketer. Was there ever like, were you ever earmarked? We always earmarked for this role, like in terms yeah, of the family I, yeah, business. When I left college, I went out and worked for a sports management company. I used to represent golfers on the European tour and PGA yeah. tour because I didn't really want to work for him. Yeah. Like growing up, I was kind of always known as just like Barry's boy. You mm. know, like I used to be at the shows since I was seven. Yeah. So I'd be in the change room. I'd be carrying belts out. I'd just get get everywhere. Shane you know? McMahon. Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So and it was like, but he he came from nothing. And obviously I came, he wasn't, you know, super wealthy when I was mm. growing up, but I was, I came from a privileged background, but he just like beasted me because he hated sort of sport kids. Mm. So he was like my, growing up, the mentality we had was winning, 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 right? Not taking part, taking part, taking part. There was mm. no fluff. Mm. It was like, how many runs did you get today, son? Six. Useless. <laughs> What's the matter with you? you know, yeah. Get out there and smash them tomorrow. Yeah, okay, yeah, tons yeah. on yeah, nothing. Yeah, yeah, it was. And, yeah. and that was really like you don't get given anything. Although, again, you know, I, I had a great upbringing. It was like, you know, it was just like, you got to go, no, you've got to clean my shoes before you do that, you know, because he was petrified of me. So like the, the, it's, it's a very strong working class mentality of just, relentless grind mm. really and that's really what got him to where he was so growing up that's really you know and I, I, I sort of looked at him and I, growing up I never could tell people quick enough that I was Barry Hearn's son but I guess when I got sort of through my teenage years mm. start to think you're actually gonna how do you achieve something in your own name with a really successful dad mm. well you gotta outperform him and now we joke because people call him Eddie Hearn's dad, you know, and it's like, he's my best mate. So we have band like, yeah, but yeah. growing up, I was just like, no one even knew my name. Yeah, I was just his yeah, son. Yeah. Yeah. And now people are like, oh, you're Eddie Hearn's dad. And I love it. We love it. Was, know, there a point, was there a point where like you earned his like respect in the business world? Where there was, there, you yeah, know what I mean? Like it, trying to get it, I assume. Would yeah, it was probably, um, I mean, I, when we signed Audley Harrison, I went back into boxing and I told him, you know, we were going to go out, he was going to win the European title and I was going to get him a shot at the world heavyweight title. And he was like, and I did it. You know, it was a bit of a disaster because he lost for the world heavyweight title. But then there was a moment when we did George Groves against Carl Froch in Manchester and it was quite a controversial ending. And I did the rematch at Wembley Stadium, which is our national stadium. Mm -hmm. And I phoned him up. I said, I've just been to Wembley. Like, it's unbelievable. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do it there. And he just went, fuck that. It holds 80,000. Yeah. He went, don't even, you're mad. I mm -hmm. said, Dad, honestly, I've seen online. Like, I just feel like this fight is huge. And he's like, mate, you're on, you're on your own, son. But And I sold it out in the first day. And I think after that, he was like, come on, you crack on. Then yeah, yeah, yeah. And he loves yeah, it because yeah. he pulled out of boxing many years ago and moved into darts, which has now come over here as well. Yeah, it's huge yeah, yeah. in the UK because boxing was a, a complete ball ache for him. So he pulled out of boxing and now he just watches me battling with his old foes. Mm. You know, Frank Warren, Bob Arum, Don King. These are people he was... Hustling with and, and fighting with every day. Yeah. And now he just like watches me going, go on, son, go on. I love that interview with Bob Aaron. He hates you. Go on, keep going. I'm like, Thanks, Dad. Like, yeah. I'm losing hair and like, you know, like, like, he's just like, keep going. Send me the checks, you know? What, what made you get into boxing if he'd left the sport? Was that, was that just sort of like a fascination growing up, like yeah. as a kid, you know, like getting into change rooms, watching fighters win, lose, cry. You know, I've seen some amazing things some amazing nights i've seen some terrible things you know terrible moments that will stay with me and haunt me forever because i've been there you know i've been in change rooms when fighters are getting 
you know, resuscitated when fighters are getting taken to hospital. Like, and as a 10 or 11 year old, like you remember those moments and like, it's just, I just find the sport so thrilling. There's nothing like it. I mean, it, it doesn't make sense, the sport. You know, sometimes I'll go on national TV in the UK and we'll be debating. You know, there'll be, you know, a, a, a head specialist or a concussion expert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how do you actually justify it? Yeah. You know, and, and you do because it actually changes so many lives. Like, you have to understand about the opportunities it provides for people. Mm. And if you look at the safety of the sport, actually, it is getting better compared to other sports, but it's still tough to justify. Mm. Because when you talk about the dangers of rugby or downhill skiing, like the aim of boxing ultimately is to defeat your opponent and to, to land blows on, yeah. yeah. And so, but, and it's very tough to explain to people unless you've been in it and you've seen it and you've touched it and you've realised how great the sport is. Mm. And where'd your mentality come from? Or like your, I guess your new age approach to boxing where you know it's sort of like keep the conversation going 24 7 mm. like that's very much the sort of modern media mm. i guess world was that always was did you learn that somewhere is that no, we, we were up? the first to do it but yeah. it just seemed natural you know probably just timing bit of luck that we grew with that social media age I mean, my dad always says you're so lucky like when i was promoting we'd have to go down to like the train station and just like put up posters on like on the yeah. walls mm. you can reach 1.3 million people with one tweet. Like, yeah. it's amazing. But he said, but the downside of that is you have to listen to the criticism and to the opinions all the time. Because I've never been one, and when we got so big and I got all those followers, I never sort of turned it off and went, guys, you you handle those accounts. I do yeah. everything. But I read too much because I'm passionate. Yeah. You know? So I get, you know, I go into my DMs. Do and you I respond? Read, like, sometimes, yes, sometimes, yeah. <laughs> Does it affect the you? other day, he was like, I, I shouldn't really do it, you know, but you go in it now and again, he's like, and it, he's been doing it for months. He's just like, you oh, fucking remember? Really? And I looked at him and he was like, and I think it was like something like Dave's Engineering Services or something like that on his Twitter. And he had like three followers. And I just bit, you know, I went back, I went, I went, you just keep cracking on, mate, with Dave's fucking engineering service. <laughs> you, you loser. I'm saying like that. And he's like, he come back, he's like, all right, mate. Oh, no need to be like that. I'm oh, like, yeah, you sent me yeah. three months of a beer. Yeah. Sh I shouldn't really buy it, but you're passionate about yeah. it. And yeah. they wouldn't say it down the street. <laughs> no. They'd ask you for a photo. Yeah. You know, so it's yeah. like, yeah. But I, I do read too much. But again, <laughs> I feel like if you're really being part of that conversation, you can't just take, you know, you do a great show, you get yeah. compliments. Great, oh great. You cut and you do something wrong or you do a shit show, mm. you've got to take the rough and the smooth. Does it affect you though, any of that shit? Yeah, not as much as it used to. Yeah. Like, so you have rough week. We had a rough week last week with yeah. Eubank Ben. And like, it's just, you know, like, again, people reaching out, are you okay? You know, I'm like, yeah, but I appreciate that. And I think that's important, actually. I think that conversation of, especially men reaching out to mm. men saying, just checking in on you, like, you okay? Because it is an interesting talking point. Mm. But, the answer is yeah, I'm really okay, mm. you know. But we go again. Yeah. Like, that's just the mentality, just and you, you know, you get kicked in the nuts, and like, you know, boxing's a bit like having a fight. You know, like last week I'm getting beaten up, and I sort of go home and I just think, fuck. <laughs> Same like the Canelo Alvarez, Anthony Joshua story. I don't need to do this anymore. Yeah, you know, but I want to win, mm. and I'll beat everyone. 
and I ain't stopping for you. So go fuck yourself. That's the mentality. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah, you know, you get the criticism, you bounce back, you go again. Yeah. I read somewhere that you were like, oh, who knows, maybe I'll retire at 50. Yeah, I don't want to do this. That's one thing for sure, because I look at these people like Warren and Aram. Aram's 91. Oh, we saw him, mate. We saw him. We saw him. He came out of the And listen, respect to him, right? Because the long... But, mate, he's doing interviews. Yeah. Fucking... the Fucking Eddie Hearn. And I'm watching him going, mate, you need to get to a beach quick with a nice cigar and a margarita and end off. Leave it. Stop. Because I'm doing it. I, I, it puts you in a bad mood, right? Because you're dealing with arseholes all the time. You're dealing with aggravation. He's got to listen to me, yeah, doing an interview. Yeah. He's probably thinking, fuck that 43-year-old. What does he know about box up 91? I did yeah. the thriller in Manila, the rumble in the jungle. Yeah, yeah. Fuck. Like, but you don't want to be like, but I understand if you've got a passion for what you do, it's hard to walk away. But this sport, mate, draining, mm. drains the life out of you. So probably 50. Seven more years, yeah, and I'll go. Like people go, you won't. I will, mate. You won't see me, mate. I don't. You know, I've given my life to the business. Really, my dad's still going. He's seventy-four. Built built the business from under a, you know, stair cupboard in Romford, right? Mm. And he loves it every day. But you know, we're not. You know, just because my dad did it doesn't mean I got to do it. And I often say to him, like, there's more to life, but it's hard. You know, it's hard to make that decision to walk away, but. You know, it is, people think that, you know, oh, you know, you're successful and you've got this and you've got that. But, mate, it's a daily grind. Mm. And there's struggles in everything. doesn't matter how successful you are. It's like Anthony Joshua. People look at him and go, wow. And you see him break down at a press conference. And it's like, oh, wow, yeah. Yeah, he's struggling. Yeah. Like, you know, like yeah, yeah, everyone's yeah. got yeah. struggles. doesn't Seriously, matter whether you've got no job or you're making 300 million a year. Everyone's got their struggles. Yeah, seriously. We're talking about the obviously like the you know you've got Dave's fucking engineering up your ass, and <laughs> yeah, yeah. but there's also like, and I didn't know this until you, Eddie showed me today. But like, there's an there's a page called Out of Context. Eddie no Hunt. context. Yeah, no context. That is fucking. But that's hilarious. been massive. But like, people still think I created it. You know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? But yeah. there's this guy called Andy who messaged me years ago. And he's yeah. like, look, I love your interviews. Yeah, I'm gonna start this no context home. Do you mind? Mm. I'm like. This fucking lunatic. How big is that going to be? Anyway, next thing, 200,000, 400,000, a million followers. And it's like everywhere. And everyone's using it. Yeah. Yeah. But again, like the Jake Paul stuff, I get people coming up to me now going, oh, you're the Instagram guy. Yeah. I'm like, no, I'm the boxing promoter. Yeah, yeah. So well, that's what got me onto you like years ago. I'm like, yeah, this is I fucking I hilarious. I was hung over on the couch just scrolling, getting funnier and funnier. So I embrace that. I never take myself too seriously. Yeah. Like, but the guy come out, he said, look, now I want to do a merchandise range and mugs. And stuff like this with your quotes. I went, now, hold on, that's, yeah, that's yeah, a step too far. Now, yeah. So I said 25% to the local children's hospice. Next thing, he sent them a check for like 15 grand. I'm oh, like, shit. hold on a minute, that's only 25%. This guy's making it a fortune. You know? so, <laughs> but it's been, again, that's been, it's just part of like the brand, the yeah. life, like the laugh. Because it's like, we're all just out to have fun and, and a laugh. And I, th- I think just don't take yourself too seriously. Definitely. Um, I In wrapping up, we appreciate your time. Um we were trying to work out. You got a day named after you or something in Fresno oh, mate, or some it's bullshit a funny story. What happened? So and then did they take it away from you? No. So I did a show in Fresno, California, right? And my team comes to me and says, "Look, the mayor's here, and the mayor wants to officially announce Saturday, the day of the show. I can't remember the October the twenty second as Eddie Hearn Day." <laughs> I'm like. 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking Martin Luther King Day. <laughs> I think, right. So I'm thinking, this is unbelievable. Like, and they're all laughing. I'm going, no, genuinely, this is unbelievable. <laughs> right? So I've gone up to him. I've gone thank you, like, to the mayor. Thank you. He's given me a plaque. Right? 22nd of October, 2019 or whatever it was, 20. Eddie Hearn Day, Fresno. I'm like, so I've turned now. I've come off the stage. I went, this is unbelievable. I went, we'll have to do a show in Fresno every Eddie Hearn Day. And they went, oh, no, it's only for this year. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, it passed. Like yeah. the next day, it gone it was forever. Yeah, do you yeah. know what I mean? So I was like, no, obviously every Saturday, October 22nd yeah. in Fresno is Eddie, Eddie Hearn Day. Yeah. No, no, just tomorrow. That's I'm how like, they oh, usually shit. work. Yeah. Well, I thought it was, yeah, exactly. That's it's now your work. day forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's, that's not no just today. No. No, yeah, of course. I mean, Martin Luther King Day wasn't just one day. <laughs> you know, I'm not saying I'm as big as Martin Luther <laughs> no, King. No, 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 no. Sure. Surely it's close. But in Fresno, <laughs> maybe <laughs> if are. I said that to Leonard Elevens, he would go <laughs> oh, yeah, out and go, this fucking guy. Well, maybe we make today Eddie Hearn Day. Why not? Thank you. October 11th. Is it 11th? Yeah, October the 15th for the first show. That can be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll do that. We'll do that. Just for this year. We can do that. How do you. um? What are your hopes for the Ashes next year? How are you feeling? Do you know what? I think, like, the, I think what's, sad, what's sad about the Ashes is growing up, like, it was everything. Like, as a kid that was playing cricket, like, mm. I go back to, like, me growing up, Ian Botham. And like, I look at your team, right, when I was growing up, like, Shane Warne, like, who I knew pretty well. Uh, like, right. you know, um, like, Mark Waugh, Steve Waugh. Like, I'm talking about, yeah, but... Um, Glenn McGrath, you know, like top, top bowlers. Even like before that, Merv Hughes, mm -hmm. like great characters. And I just feel that, and again, like with cricket, I just feel like sports become a little bit robotic mm. and yep. you've lost like the characters. Like even Premier League football, you hear the stories like Manchester United players that were going out on Friday night and turning up like Brian Robson, Norman Wrightside, like great players. Like Mark with Bosnich hangovers. Probably. Yeah, Bosnich was right. He was right, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. he wasn't just hungover. But, yeah. but, but like, but, so, and I'm not saying that that's what athletes should do, but like when you go back to those cricket days, mm. that was wild. Like you imagine the Aussies back then. Oh, like when, I mean. Rockstar shit sort of just. But isn't know. that like, and I just feel like those characters, like I can't really name now more than a, two or three Aussie cricketers. And I just feel like cricket's lost a little bit of that. All sport has, in a so, way, because yeah. it's, become, it's become a lot of money. You know, it's become a lot more serious, become a lot more scientific. But in the same but, breath where people will, like, criticise the sort of players being bland, then when a player shows a bit of personality, they also course, yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, exactly. who the fuck's this guy? Yeah, yeah. It happened, like, happened recently in the rugby league uh, grand final. Mm. The players at one celebrated in a way that people thought was like, oh, you fucking rat yeah. bags. Like, yeah. it's uncouth. You can't... No, no one knows what they want you anymore. Win, you know? But ultimately, they're the guys that are remembered. Yeah, you know, people like Warney, people like all those guys. Like they're they're legendary. Like the stories are off the oh, off yeah. the charts. Yeah. You know, and actually, to be remembered, like it's one thing to be remembered as a great, but it's also another thing to be remembered as a character yes. and an enigma. Mm. You know, someone that and a lot of these geniuses are flawed. Shame one of them. Mm. You know, I mean, he was a genius. Mm. So unfortunately, geniuses have some kind of flaw in their character or yeah. personality. Yeah. Also, but, no one's perfect, right? Like, anytime you get into any situation, most people fuck up at some stage. Yeah, but nice to see real people, at least. Yes, you know, like, rather than yeah. an agent saying, oh, no, 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 you can't do that, go to sleep. Like, don't, yeah. you know, so... 
There you go. I mean, like, if they, if the Aussie cricketers now got on the piss and had 100 beers on the way to England, like, could mm. you imagine the fucking... Dude, oh, after the fallout would be biblical. Know, but yeah, that's, like, yeah. a story that we dine out on. After yeah, we yeah. won the Ashes, was it was it last summer? No, it was in Tasmania. In Tasmania, and they were celebrating on the roof of a hotel, yeah. and this, they remember, pulled the cops yeah. up, and they I got know. them all fucking yeah, sent back yeah. to their room, and you're like, what the fuck's where's, going where's on? Where's the good old days, What's happening? Mate, unbelievable. Anyway, mate, look, thank you very much. It's been really nice to meet you. Nice to chat. So, Saturday night, October 15th, Brock Jarvis, Liam Pyro. On DAZN on DAZN on DAZN all over the world. All over the yeah, world. Yeah, and uh, down at the South Bank Piazza. Get yourself there. Beautiful. Thanks, Love it. Thanks Cheers, for your time, mate. Cheers. Could you two just not talk anymore? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.